Hey everyone, it's Ariel Hawani. And I'm Chuck Mendenhall. And I'm Pete Carroll, and together we are Three Pack. Join us on the brand new Spotify Live app immediately after all of the biggest fights in combat sports. And also during the weigh-ins, because that's when the real drama happens. So what are you waiting for? Follow the Ring MMA show right now on our exclusive Spotify podcast feed. And come join the best community in MMA. Peace! We're out of here. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. There's no better feeling than a personal win, and the State Farm personal price plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. This episode is brought to you by Modelo. What does a true fan look like? It's cheering the loudest. It's never missing a game, no matter what. And for that, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Because you are a fighter, and Modelo is your reward. Modelo, the mark of a fighter. Shop delivery or pickup options near you at ordermodello.com. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Imports, Chicago, Illinois. Hello and welcome to a special Saturday edition of the Ringer NFL Recap Show. I'm Nora Princiati. I'm here with Benjamin Solak. We just watched the Bills beat the Dolphins 32-29. to Absolutely instant classic snow game. Uh, so we decided that we would hop on the mic to break it all down because this was one of the best games of the year. Uh, Bill, B- Bill, Ben, geez, before we start, pelting me with a snowball during this podcast is a 15-yard penalty, okay? Do you accept the ground rules? Uh, no, I don't. I thought that was soft. We used to be a country, all right? We used to be a people where you could throw snowballs during football games. And the only thing that would happen is you would hit Santa and have it held against your city for like 65 years. That was it. Now we're yeah, going to throw flags? Unbelievable. I'm with this. I'm with this, actually. I made the joke to start the pod, but I'm with you on this one. The idea, first of all, seeing all of these people like tweeting during the game about uh, people got to stop throwing snowballs. First of all, no, they don't. It's fun. Second of all, refs throw a flag and they'll stop throwing snowballs real quickly. I'm sorry. How many drunk football fans have you been yeah, around in right, your right, lives? Right. I, lo- I love that. I love- Why are they throwing snowballs? Uh, because they're drunk Buffaloans welcoming back a team that beat them in week minds. three in 120 degree weather. And they've been anticipating this snowstorm in this matchup for like two and a half months. I'll it's throw a snowball at my wife for no reason. I, you don't need a single reason to throw a snowball. The whole thing's got like 19 reasons. Also, I'm soft. Like I'm, I am a, a soft, whiny person, and <laughs> generally very amenable to arguments based on like someone could get hurt. They're wearing helmets. Okay, I get that there's ice and snowballs. I'm a baby if someone throws a snowball at me. If I'm wearing a big helmet, it's fine. Everybody, calm down. Rich. We live in a society. Which right? If they if they are like, hey, like we have to protect the camera people we have to protect like the staff on the sidelines like stray snowballs are hitting like you know sound employees like great that's awesome i just love the fact that it's a 15-yard penalty against the bills like hey you're the fans here the majority of which are obviously yours but it may be some guys who aren't are endangering right. nfl employees uh 15-yard penalty on you guys for living here and not building a dome if i were a dolphins fan i would have made immediately Start packing them. Yeah, yeah. you're you're and you're like reaching underneath other people's seats to grab whatever's left. Every single Dolphins 
offensive third down. I'm beaning Trent Sherfield. I'm just hammering Mike Gesicki. <laughs> just, just, just straight at him the whole play. On the sideline, I'm finding Matt Hawk. I'm finding the punter. He's Alec going to This one's for you. And we're getting a 15-yard penalty because they're assuming there's some Buffalo fan that doesn't understand down and distance and just throwing snowballs at the least opportune time. And you got to like fake the accent, get really into character. This one's from Lackawanna. <laughs> somebody in the face it was just so funny because the entire saga of snowball gate was like all right twitter is massively overreacting to a thing that they're just perceiving as a third party from the comfort of their homes far away and then the game stopped and i was like there's no way i i, I put the volume like further up on my tv as if i misheard what they said like, there's no way i started clicking it up couldn't believe it anyway great football game Great football game. This game was absolutely awesome. Uh, Bills win. Uh, Josh Allen, absolutely spectacular game. Uh, goes 25 for 40, 304 yards, four touchdowns. Also had 77 yards on 10 carries on the ground. Um, I ended up, uh, my biggest takeaway from this game is that I feel better about both of these teams after watching it than I did from the beginning. With the Bills, that has a lot to do with Josh Allen. I just thought he played yeah. a spectacular game. Um, he's running it so well, obviously he's so dynamic, but we've seen him for the past several weeks be a little bit shakier, uh, with some of the passing than when he was really lighting the world on fire earlier in the season. I really felt like this was a game that I was hoping and waiting to see from Josh Allen just to feel like, oh, oh, he's still got it. What did you think? Yeah, no, the, like he's still a velociraptor, right? It's still just like a big guy who can run. They, they, uh, the Dolphins went to a spot where they started playing more man coverage in the second half, which ballsy. I respect it. This young man they found, Josh Kahua, Kahua. I, don't, I, don't, I apologize, I don't know how to pronounce his last name, but like they, they, I right. I, yeah, I think they like. I, I thought the injuries at corner were going to sink the Dolphins the way they play defense. They both have changed to play more zone, and they've also gotten great play out of him. No, like Benogany's played better, so they started playing more man coverage. Uh, Stephon Diggs fell quiet, right? The Bills were having that, that difficult third quarter. Diggs on the sideline telling everybody, well, listen, give me the ball, give me the ball, give me the ball. It felt like the Bills offense fell into that rut that was becoming familiar, like you said. I, I've been a little bearish on the Bills as an AFC contender over the last, few, last few weeks because I'm like, I don't This offense is hot and cold. Like, I, I, it, it requires Allen heroics. Well, then in the fourth quarter, you're down eight points. You know, you, you get a strip sack. And 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 you you give up a, a huge lead, a massive swing, and Allen just comes right back and just wills them to win. That man coverage suddenly becomes scramble looks, right? It becomes screw around right. behind line of scrimmage, find guy Gabe Davis out of structure, right. and then get downfield and break a tackle. Right? He's got that. When he scrambles, he's more dangerous than Mahomes, right? And and when you look at it in terms of efficiency numbers, first downs generated per scramble, especially on third or fourth down, EPA numbers, he's the most effective scrambler in the league. He doesn't do it as much as Jim Hurts, doesn't do it as much as Justin Fields. In terms of converting to a new set of downs and generating positive EPA, when Josh Allen talks, there's nobody better. Uh, and he did that several times over the course of this game. Uh, and, and then obviously, uh, his complete lack of concern for his own life, as exhibited by the two-point conversion, which is like, brother. His own life. Yeah, common decency. Possession of the football. I'm with you on I feel better about Josh Allen. The Bills, for me, are still like, it's always something with this team. Uh, they struggle to play a comprehensive game of football against good opponents. There's always like 
stretches where the defense is in control, but the offense can't get the pants on straight. And then the offense finally figures it out, but the defense starts getting yeah. slip up. And then there's some special teams issue that occurs in the middle of it, right? Like this entire game, uh, they end up winning 32-29, but they face an offense that got quite well handled over the course of the last two weeks. And they walked out and were not able to stop them. Uh, and, and the absence of Vaughn Miller has not even remotely been as strongly felt as it was in this game where every third down they're sending a linebacker and they're stunning a line and they're sending a nickel and they're dropping a guy off the line and they're trying to find a way to generate a pass rush. And for most of the game, Tua's just ball out in two and a half seconds, 25 yards down the field, same way he had for most of the season. And that for the Bills' defense is disappointing. Obviously, Bond's a star, uh, but you lost him and Tredavious White is not all the way back. They, they went yeah. hunting. They went hunting for Tredavious White. I don't want Kyrie Elam. To Ron Johnson, they're pressing, they're playing physical. They went hunting for Tredavious White, the Dolphins offense did in this game. Uh, and Tredavious White struggled to answer the call. This is a Bills uh, defense without stars right now. Jordan Poyer, great player. Uh, but this is a Bills defense without stars right now. And, and they were exposed a little bit in this game. So it's always something with this team where I can always find a way to talk myself out of them. They were pressing a certain amount, and it's always hard to tell off the TV copy. So, so with that caveat, were you surprised it didn't feel like they were taking more from the, I'm not going to use the B word, but the mm -hmm. 49ers, what the 49ers and Chargers games had given us in terms of instruction right. about how to shut down this Miami offense or at least slow it down. Yeah. So this is one of the reasons why the blueprint conversation always falls short, not just like the Dolphins offense, but in general, like just in, in any capacity. And I'm, I'm like, you know, uh, perpetrator number one of this because you just got to say blueprint and then go as fast as you can to get your point across on the I podcast. I say right? it. I alluded to it yeah. because that's a loophole. Yeah. yeah, very clever. But one of the reasons why the blueprint doesn't work is because we as football analysts, consumers, watchers, uh, discussers, and debaters talk about big dials. Uh, play more man. Take the man coverage dial. It's the opposite of the zone coverage dial. There's only two of them. And spin it really high up. You did it. The blueprint, right? And that's how we, we, talk about we talk about things in big pictures, in broad strokes. When, when a coach is installing a game plan, he doesn't do it in big strokes. He does it in extremely minute details. So you said the, the, the Bills pressed quite a bit, and they did. But the way Tredavious White was playing press coverage is not the way you have to play press coverage against this team. Tredavious White was playing, I'm going to play responsible press coverage. I'm going to mirror off the line. I'm going to adjust him off of his route just a little bit. The press coverage you play against the Dolphins is, is rush roulette press coverage. Exactly, it's YOLO. It's, I'm going to shove this man as hard as I can, and if I miss... I'm going to give him a touchdown. But if I get him, it's a sack. Tredavious White thought, well, if I just, you know, mirror it and, you know, uh, just a little kick step and, like, you know, make sure I've, I've got my read correct everything, then I'll stick with Tredavious White and Jalen Waddle. And he never did for the entire game. Right? So there's – we talk about the big dials. We talk about blueprints, press coverage. What failed the uh, uh, the Bills in this game were the little dials, were, were, were the little switches, the tiny adjustments, the way Tredavious White is playing press coverage. On the Jalen Waddle catch and run, I, I – I, I wish they'd given him more replays. It looks like a very interesting play. But Tremaine Edmonds and Matt Milano, the second level of the linebackers, are both standing over Jalen Waddles to his side of the field. And they're pointing at Jordan Poyer. And they're like, he's coming right. that yeah. way. He's going to go through us to you. We are giving him to you. Him past me to you. And then Jordan Poyer comes screaming downhill. And nobody picks up Jalen Waddle. And that's the little dials. That's okay. Like, the, the Chargers played a ton of cover two, cover six, like stuff that's been good for them. And the Bills played that too. But if you miscommunicate on one route concept, if you misunderstand, I'm passing this off, I'm not passing this off, 
the Dolphins don't just get a 20-yard game. They don't just get, oh, 25 yards, pick up, first down. When you miscommunicate in the second level against the Dolphins, the ball gets to one of Jalen Waddle or Tyreek Hill, or even as we saw against the Niners, Trent Shurfield in stride. Once it does, good night, go home. It's not only a new set of downs, it's 67-yard touchdown. And that's why mistakes against the Dolphins team, errors in the little dials, matter so much more than mistakes against other teams because they punish you the worst way. Some of those are, are defensive errors by Buffalo. I also think some of that is a credit to Miami. The reason I, I feel better about the, the Dolphins right now than I did at the start of this game after having seen how they looked against San Francisco and, and against the Chargers um, is because I think we saw Mike McDaniel kind of throw his first counterpunch. And obviously they don't win the game, right? But a lot of the stuff they did in the run game, we should talk about because I thought that was really interesting. But we also saw them dial up some beers for those coverages, right? Like the first time they take a lead in this game, obviously they don't keep it, but they go up 26-21 on that touchdown to Tyreek Hill. And that play is a play designed to beat press man. And now that's a play where they're going after Tredavious White, right? And he's doing exactly what you just described, where he's playing kind of, he's he's pressing Tyreek a little bit. He's touching him. He's getting some hands on him, but he's not going for it. He's not committing all the way. So you have a little bit of, of just how Tyreek is choosing to act on that play. But that's Mike McDaniel. And I think they were looking for that specific situation and that sp- specific coverage. That's Mike McDaniel looking for a situation saying, okay, I went back to the whiteboard and came up with some ideas and and put together a list, put together a a play sheet of stuff that I think can beat this. And to see him do that, it's not surprising that he's able to do that to me because we think he's a really good coach. From everything we've seen, he's a really good coach, but that was what they needed to do. That was what we were looking for. And I, I think even though they didn't win the game, I came away from this feeling like, okay, yeah. They know what they're going to see for the last month of the season. They know what they're going to see in the playoffs. They know what their opponents can look at on film and go, that had a pretty decent shot at slowing down Miami. And they're coming up with stuff that has a, a decent shot of fixing it. So I thought that was super encouraging. Yeah, again, uh, big dials. But the willingness of the team to run the football early was such a big deal uh, for the way that this, this offense worked and critically how they ran it, right? They handed the football off. Uh, all motion, RPO, jet, that's just a run. They just called a run. They called a first down run <laughs> where the entire offensive line knew they were run blocking. They could go downfield. From dirt. under center. Yep, under center, which went, their, their under center rates got massively up over the course of last week and a half. Uh, they, you know, they got Durham Smythe on the field. Durham, uh, go block for us, right? I was like, Mike Kosicki's killing it tonight. And then like a quarter and a half in, I realized that's not Mike Kosicki. Not Mike <laughs> <laughs> Durham Smythe. They got a blocking tight end in there now. Uh, and 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 uh, Mark Sanchez, who did a really nice job, I think, calling the offenses of both both teams during the game, was was calling that out in terms of this is first and ten. They're just going to hand the ball to Raheem Moster, and uh, Raheem, to his credit, like uh, was the starting back for this team, won the job over Chase Edmonds, a little bit banged up. Then they traded for Jeff Wilson. Wilson's incredible. Like his job's kind of been up and down, whatever. Ran extremely tough tonight. We obviously had the big long run, the broke tackles. Uh, you know, they, the Bills are at penetration front. They want to get get to you right when you get the ball, get you behind the line of scrimmage. He turns negative games into positive games, which it helps keep you ahead of the sticks. Number one, the Dolphins actually weren't really great at like doing the 
first and 10, second and six, third and two offense, because so many of those third and two quick passing game instances were pass breakups. The Bills were driving downhill on those out routes. But when they were successful, like the uh, the first touchdown drive they had in the second quarter, they converted a third and four, third and five, and a third and ten. And it was just run, run, pass, run, run, pass, run, run, pass. Right. And at the very least, it establishes play action for you. It establishes the threat of it. And uh, EPA-wise, it was more valuable to them. They were a better team uh, in this game uh, in, in terms of uh, EPA per play on rush attempts than they were on passing attempts. And that's to the point of uh, your running attack taking advantage of a defense that is selling out, that is de- dedicating so many numbers to taking away your passing game. So you've used the threat of the pass over the course of the last three months to now establish the opportunity to run the football. Worked very well. Awesome stuff. Michael Daniel designs his things. It's just you end up losing a three-point game. But that is a huge note for the Dolphins, which is that, all right, if you're going to try to play all out, everybody's in the middle of the field, we're worried about RPOs, you're not rushing the edges because you want them to stop the tight ends on play action. If you're going to dedicate all of these guys to stopping the pass, we are willing to call a first and 10 handoff. And we can pick up five <laughs> or six yards, and that's going to that's be good for us. It's a very, very big deal for the team. 7.5 yards per carry for the Dolphins in this game, particularly a lot of success running uh, behind the right side of the line, running to the right. It's funny, we... If, they looked a little bit more like the Dolphins offense that I think if if I'd drawn in my mind's eye in August, what's right. this going to look like? It's a great way of saying This it, is yeah. so much more like it than it was for the largest chunks of the season that formed sort of what we think of this offense and what we think of what it is. But if that's what they need to do now, very good to see them see them do it. Yeah. I just wish we had gotten another quarter of snow football. I just really like... We just didn't get enough to uh, the Dolphins in the running game and Josh Allen and everything. We just got like a taste of it. Nine minutes. I needed more. It was beautiful. It was. Like, were, you, were you feeling a little romantic? I was, I was feeling a little romantic. I was so in my feels, Ben. Just oh. so in my feels. The Buffalo gets a good, good defensive series. Dolphins go three and out. Uh, but then Jalen Phillips has that strip sack of Josh Allen. Defense comes back, does its job. Bills get the ball back again. Josh Allen breaks off that 44-yard run. Gets him to the red zone. Bills have been, they've punted on their last, what, four drives at that point? But Josh Allen takes it, takes it with his legs, get them in, gets them into the red zone, runs it again, gets the call for the late hit going out of bounds, which looks, looks like he sold it a little bit. And as the snow begins to fall, the there's some scrappiness on the sideline. Like he's, we've just seen the quarterback. He's running it all the way down the field. It's just like, how can you not be romantic about snow football? And then, then they hit the touchdown to Dawson Knox. Um, and, uh, and Josh Allen does his spear diving two point conversion. And then they chase the ball 35 yards down the field. I want, like, we call this a snow glow game, right? I want that in a snow globe. I want just a little ball of glass with white glitter on the inside that I can shake up. And we if know what a snow peer, globe is. I appreciate the breakdown, but yeah, I, I, I'm, I was I'm, already with you on like most of that information. Try to be cinematic, Ben. It's romantic. <laughs> it's snowing. It's beautiful. There's ambiance. I want the scape, the landscape inside the snow globe. I just want it to be Josh Allen, like... Uh, extending the ball across the plane, just barely across the plane and then losing it and having it like bounce <laughs> all over the place. Just the silliest, 
one of the silliest trajectories I've ever seen a football take. The football, a very silly object, an object prone to extreme silliness, just putting on an absolute show of ridiculousness in, in that moment with the flakes coming down uh, in Orchard Park. Really, really special stuff. It, uh, it really, truly did feel like the, you know, Western New York, Lake Effect snow, right? All just heard. They, like, saw the scoreboard. They saw the Jalen Phillips fumble recovery. They saw the eight-point lead and said, like, all right, the Bills need us. Like, we as one must rise. And then, like, the snow and the wind and just everybody singing. Uh, let, it, let it snow, I think they're singing? Yeah, yeah, let it yes. snow. Yes. We're just like, yes. it was one of those... Ah, uh, the Dolphins the are carolers. losing. This. Yeah, it was one of those. Uh, the Dolphins are losing this game, aren't they? Like this is very sad for them. They played very well. It's tough. However, once like the fourth quarter snow starts and all the psycho Buffaloans begin chanting their war song, their battle cry. Yeah, sorry, the game's over. Did you see Tyler Bass, the Bills kicker, who hit the game-winning um, field goal afterwards? He just like chest slides the down sli- the, the field. penguin slide. Yeah, the penguin slide. Yeah, of course. How did you feel about playing for the field goal over the touchdown? It was a weird. It was uh, okay because I, you know, disclosure. I was on Bills minus seven in this game, so in my head, I was like, "You obviously can't trust a field goal in this instance." But I was very financially motivated for a touchdown. But I like if I think like because they're in Buffalo, they probably spend the week thinking about and repping what like snow field goal attempt conditions were going to look like there. Yeah. They seemed like a very well-oiled snow clearing machine, just all the offensive linemen and everything. But still like, I don't know, that scares me. I just have visions of Tyler Bass slipping and falling on his butt and we're going to overtime. I think that's right. And I think that's the the right way for them to process it. And if they worked on it and practiced it and were ready for it, like whatever, as a viewer, the opposite, like the things that you're saying should have made them confident in the decision made me nervous. Like at first, um, Singletary goes down and it becomes clear that that's the decision that they're making. And I'm kind of like, okay, this is a little weird. I don't know if I like this, but okay. Like it's a really easy field goal. Fine. I'm sure the numbers probably work out where that's the right call. I guess blah, 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 blah. As soon as I see like six Buffalo Bills just scraping snow off the, the turf with their hands. That was when I started to be like, oh, I don't like this. This is bad. You're doing the hand shovels? They knew their rules. Well, they knew their rules. You are not allowed to bring out an implement, right? You, it's a penalty if you try to like use yes. a towel. Yeah, so that's what I'm saying is they clearly had a meeting, right? Special teams meeting, whatever the frick you do special teams meeting in the week, I have no idea. But they, all, they brought the line in and they were like, fellas, Make sure you grab your towels to clean off the snow. And then like some yuppie sixth rounder was like, you can't do that. It's not in the rule book. And the special teams coordinator was like, great job. That was a trick question. Use your hands, son. But they knew what they were doing. And it went off great. And they got very close. But like when they were, you know, taking it down to the two-minute warning, they had yet to get the pass interference call. If they don't get that pass interference call, there's a chance they're attempting like a 40-something yarder. And that to me feels, oh, (laughs) I would have liked to have taken a couple more aggressive shots downfield before I went to take a 40-yard field goal in those conditions. Not ideal. Uh, Is a snowball a successful snowball if it doesn't survive the ground? I I, I mean, if there's enough snow, no snowball surviving the ground. It's becoming the ground. 
is just consumed into the the existing snow. Is the snowball a catch? Is essentially what I think I'm asking. <laughs> the one that hit the back of the cameraman after the Quentin Morris touchdown and like firmly exploded, like in the center of the screen. Not a catch. Very clearly did not survive contact. Got to go to New York for a review on that one. Um, all right. Anything else from this game? We're going to each do one take uh, from Vikings Colts before we call it an evening. But uh, anything, anything to extend our ability to luxuriate in this fabulous game for just a minute longer, Ben? Uh, the number one question that uh, Mayor asked me watching it with me was why the Dolphins coaches were in hoodies. And I had to explain like, well, you can't, you can't show up wearing the big coat because then you're not a man. So you have to wear six <laughs> thermal layers and then the hoodie on top. The entire Dolphins coaching staff was in hoodies. wasn't a single big coat to be found. All right? And then the, the Bills coaching staff, obviously also not in the big coat because you're expecting this from the Dolphins and you have to count. You can't even show up with a big coat here on home stadium. No fucking Sean coats. McDermott, Sean McDermott wears a puffer, though. He wears a big puffer. I didn't catch what he was wearing in this. It, it didn't That's register. why it, it had first caught my mind is I was like, is Sean wearing the big coat and i feel like he wasn't but he doesn't wear the he doesn't wear the big big coat he wears just like a big puffer it's not long but it's probably warm i have a coat like that and it's very warm when i say big coat yeah i just mean the poppy thing i don't know the terminology here i own like one coat. so so mcdermott wasn't wearing the puffer i don't think so no i'm pretty sure he was just hooded up oh wow yeah, yeah that's mind games yeah it's been a long chess match in the media this week so Anyway, because McDermott's in the puffer when it's, you know, 40. That's what I'm saying. But I think, out there. Yeah, I think I think right. I think it was just a, well, if they're going to act like it's not that cold and we're going to act like it's not that cold. So on and so forth and so on. Uh, I hate to end this discussion, this game on a on a bummer note, but the Bills um, lost center Mitch Morse. Yeah. In the middle of this one with a concussion. He has a long and scary history of concussion. So first of all, I, I hope that is as okay as it can be. Um, His leaving the game was followed by a sequence where um, they have Quesenberry come in at guard and Van Roten slid over to to, uh, the center position. Offensive line gets penalized on three straight snaps. So first of all, Mitch Morris is probably the, the strongest link on that offensive line as it is. And second of all, at least initially uh, when he went out, things weren't looking so great on the offensive line there. Um, I am very much with this Bills team. Like, I, I think I'd just been so preoccupied with has Allen, is Allen missing a little bit of, of what makes him him because the elbow might be hurting. Um, I just felt like the short and intermediate accuracy had taken a bit of a dip following that injury. I, I think I felt much better about them, maybe much as strong, but better about them after this game because I just felt like, oh, that's Josh Allen doing Josh Allen stuff again. Um, and I do think that that's ultimately just the most important thing for them. But to your point about how it's just always something that is definitely something that bears watching. Um, and then additionally, just, you know, hope, hope Mitch is okay. Uh, cause that's, that's scary. Anytime those things start to pile up. Yeah, that's a very good point. The bills took their little setup, the doable snap, which they may have wanted a couple extra yards away from the, the, uh, uprights just to give a little more visibility, but they took it out of the gun. Right. And as we recall, against the Vikings, they were trying to take some snaps on their center and those snaps were not going well. Uh, and so they What are, about as badly as it possibly could yeah, have? Uh, their backup center situation seems extremely untrustworthy under center, which seems like a small thing, isn't a small thing. Uh, if I know you're 100% gun when Mitch Morris is around, or at least like 99% gun, makes my, my defense easier. And so 
the operation centered a quarterback, easy to look over. But yeah, Mitch Morris is one of the ones in the league that really, really matters because the Bills' backup situation dire. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. There's no better feeling than a personal win, and the State Farm personal price plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Ringer NFL. Just go to Indeed.com slash Ringer NFL right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This episode is brought to you by Modelo. What does a true fan look like? It's cheering the loudest. It's never missing a game, no matter what. And for that, you deserve an ice cold reward because you are a fighter and Modelo is your reward. Modelo, the mark of a fighter. Shop delivery or pickup options near you at ordermodelo.com. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Imports, Chicago, Illinois. All right. I said that we would go each give a take from Vikings, Colts, um, and then wanted to keep talking about Dolphins Bills because it was just such a delight. But let's let's do it before we head out. Uh, give me one take from this ridiculous Vikings Colts game where the Colts blew a 33-0 lead at halftime. The Vikings end up winning 39-36 in overtime. I'm officially zagging. You ready for the zag? Zag's coming. Ready for the zag. Lay it the on. Vi- the Vikings are contenders. They're legit Super Bowl contenders now. I buy it. Because if you're going to win this game, you can win any game. I mean, like, you can't, like, we can't, like, we, the whole time, man, we're like, the Vikings are bad. They're not real. They're not good. And they go down 33 to nothing to the Colts. And then they win. So now you can, you can win. Once you win a game you're trailing by 33, you have to be considered a legitimate team to win every game that you play for the rest of time. I mean, I don't, they, like, they didn't even do it with Justin Jefferson. Like, KJ Osborne. They got the, this Vikings team has won games on uh, Josh Bell's pick with 17 seconds left against the Lions, a Cam Dantzler forced fumble with a minute 12 left against the Bears, the Josh Allen sneak fumble, 41 seconds left, <laughs> previously discussed, and then a Cam Bynum interception uh, against the Jets with 16 seconds left. And then in this game, obviously, like the refs couldn't have possibly have bungled the whole operation more. I guess they could have. The one thing they got right was the fumble recovery of fumble recovery of Chandon Sullivan to give them the football back with like whatever it was three seconds left. I can't remember. This the, the way I, I'm done doubting the Vikings team. They are now physically capable of winning every single game they play for the rest of the time, and that by default makes them Super Bowl contenders. Congratulations. We need to stop analyzing the Vikings. The Vikings yes. are post analysis. I'm done working. I have no more thoughts. They can win it all. No more stats, just lols. The Minnesota Vikings story. That's it. That's what I got. It's a funny group of people. Kurt Cousins, very funny football player. That's what I got. They traded for TJ Hawkinson. He can't stop making bad plays in low leverage situations. 
or high leverage iterations, excuse me. And it's still just like, keep chucking it to them. They, the amount of drives they had or series they had were like the first, first and 10, they targeted Adam Thielen. And then second and 10, they targeted TJ Hawkinson. And then third and 10 was just Kirk staring at Justin Jefferson, pumping, pumping, pumping. Like, guys, you can do this on first down. They're exhausting to watch. I disagree with the last statement. They're pure comedy. Nothing is like I want I want the the I feel like they announced who was winning the Mark Twain prize a couple days ago, but I want it redacted. I want it to go to the Minnesota Vikings. <laughs> They're the funniest thing on television this I, year. I love them very much. I want them to win the Super Bowl. Once we got about five minutes left in the Bills game, I was thinking to myself, I was like, I'm so exhausted right now. Like, why am I so tired? Like usually I love this. I live for this. Edge of my seat. Why am I just burnt? And then I realized what Minnesota Indianapolis did to me and that I had not yet recovered. I wasn't ready for another one of these fourth quarters. But yeah, like the, uh, it, there's, there's jokingness to it, but also like Minnesota's got some, like we've been down here before and we know the way out ism to them, which like doesn't fully explain a 33 point cover behind victory because uh, it's never happened before. But in general, like Minnesota is not as good as Dallas. They're not as good as San Francisco. They're not as good as Philadelphia. But if it's the fourth quarter and they're down 10, they're going to be like, yeah, sure. We've seen like, some things. Right. They're, like, they're not going to not not behave. They're like, yeah, we're just Justin Jefferson time. Like, we've done this before, man. So, that, sure. Like, once you get to the playoffs, wipe, wipe the slate clean. And Minnesota is getting to the playoffs. And <laughs> they have played some weird games, and they're going to keep playing some. So you said there'd never be, been a 33-point comeback before. Uh, my take for you has a little something to do with that. First of all, there had never been a 33-point comeback before. However, there had been a 32-point comeback. Uh, that was done by Buffalo Bills backup quarterback Frank Reich Heard of him. in the 1992 AFC wildcard round against the Houston Oilers. Legendary comeback, largest comeback in NFL history. Jeff Saturday has taken everything from this man. He's taken everything from Frank Reich. What he had left was his record, and now it's gone because the Jeff Saturday Colts blew this game. Um, most notably, my, my real take here is that if Jeff Ursay, Jeff Ursay, I can't do names anymore. Jim Ursay wanted to screw around and make his interim head coach his permanent head coach at some point. I think this is going to be the reason that he just can't get away with that. Yeah, it's because a little tough once you have this game. It is a little tough. And that is probably, look, from all I know, Jeff Saturday is a really good guy and a really nice guy, but this seems like a goofy thing that an owner decided to do. And sometimes NFL owners need reining in. And if it takes an absolutely absurd football game to make that happen, that's probably for the betterment of the Indianapolis Colts in the long run. Uh, and I think that happened at the exact moment when he could have kicked, um, probably would have met a 53, 50-yard field goal to go up 11, 231 to play. Ops to go for it. Now that's that's okay. I'm not all I'm not horrifically mad about the decision. At this in the time, first place. we should note Chase McLaughlin is five for five with a long of fifty-two in a dome on the day. Correct. So Correct. You know, the kicker's been good. The kicker's been kicking. Barely kicking is 37-year-old Matt Ryan, with whom Jeff Saturday elects to run the saddest quarterback sneak basically ever seen he said uh, after the game we liked our matchup what's the matchup on a cube? What's is the it matchup, man? Yeah. 
it, like if you, if you say like alignment, then I get it. It's like we like the space we have, which the Vikings had it pretty nicely bottled up. But like alignment, I get. Like, there's space for it. Matchup implies like our center against their nose. Is that the magic? What's the matchup? Matt Ryan it, versus a linebacker. Right, What's Matt Ryan matchup? versus a linebacker is your other option. So it better be the center versus the nose because otherwise, oh, otherwise. Brother. Lest we investigate the secondary option as an answer to that question. It is again, I will say for the third time in the last two minutes, 37-year-old Matt Ryan just fighting to stay alive. Uh, they obviously didn't get it. Del- Dalvin Cook takes a little dump off from Kirk 64 yards for a touchdown on the next play, and the game is uh, the, the game. Well, the rest is history. What are you going to say? At what point in the Colts-Vikings game did the first memory of Falcons Patriots come to Matt Ryan's mind? If I would love to ask, if I knew he wouldn't be upset, I would ask him this question. I would call him right away, like, Matt, I'm just wondering, was it at 33 to 7 when the Vikings scored their first points of the game halfway through the third quarter to make it a 26 point game that you were like, hmm, 26 kind of close to 25? Just when, 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 when was the first moment that you, I think it's probably like you get a little bit closer. Like once it's 36, 21, you're like, oh, we gave this up. It'd be as bad as, oh man, what's another time oh, someone's oh. given up? Oh no. I just want to know when the thought first crossed his mind. That's hysterical. That's an incredible question. That is so emotionally devastating. However, Matt Ryan. Ryan is a very lovely man. I would not ask that to him, but somebody who personally knows him, please ask him and then get back to me kindly ask him kindly yeah. but get the answer so that we can make yeah, after an appropriate period of waiting and mourning obviously <laughs> with time to heal uh all right ben thank you so much what a delightful day of football and a delightful opportunity to break it all down with you uh this has been the ringer nfl saturday recap show we will be back tomorrow with our usual sunday nfl recap show that's me that's ben that's steven ruiz Thank you to Eduardo Ocampo for production on this episode with additional production supervision by Arjuna Rangapal. 